swords with handle art to spar trolls and charge tolls to cross roads with bandits are catacombs and giant doors protect the chest of stores from legendary items with the dragon bones and iron it's horse. a grand theft of elk scrolls simon's quest with toe and earl rock shoes to ever clue easter eggs and gaming news the potus needs some bad dudes to crash crew like bandicoot all shit a game in english control issues Control issues. Yes, yes, y'all. Yes, y'all. Yes, y'all. Well, this is Control Issues. I am the AMC. And this is a dub. You can find us at control-issues.com. That dash is a hyphen. Use it responsibly. You can also go to your podcast provider, whoever that may be. Look for Control Issues. Download it. Subscribe to it. Rate it. Review it. Five stars. Tell a friend. Tell your girlfriend and her friend's friend. You can also go to twitch.tv slash control issues pod where we put up gameplay videos for your viewing pleasure and head on over to twitch.tv slash control issues pod. I just said that I meant to say Twitter. You go over there. My control issues is the handle. Tweet at us. We tweet back. AMC, how you living? Doing all right, A-Dub. You know, we took the week off. Yeah, had to deal with some personal family issues mm-hmm. and we are back. Um, yeah, it's been a... It's been a crazy one, but you know, just enjoying things as they are. Getting ready for Christmas, gearing up. Went to um, we have a candy cane lane near us, so went, oh. to, went to see all the lights. Theo enjoyed that. How did he enjoy that? Uh, he enjoyed it very much. He was uh, he was cheering <laughs> and clapping as, as much as he could do, as much as in a baby, the excitement a baby could show when they see lights and inflatable snowmen. Learning excitement. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, what am I capable of and how could I display my overwhelming energy? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, other than that, yeah, just uh just you know, getting into the Christmas spirit, if you will, just in the holiday spirit for for those who don't celebrate. But um yeah, how about yourself, A Dub? How you been? You know, just chilling, trying to buckle down and focus in order to get to this last week of work. Now your boys on vacation till the fourth. So looking forward to that, really getting into full swing tomorrow morning when I don't have to do shit, but wake up, work out, smoke a bowl, and get lunch. (laughs) (laughs) And then I could spend my days working through this backlog, uh, working on these books, brushing up on my art, thinking about, you know, my next figure drawing workshop or who knows, maybe dynamic sketching, maybe mad scientist kind of stuff, pipes and shit. (laughs) (laughs) You know, yeah. You know, the world is my oyster. I might finally crack open the the Lego set I got for Christmas, start building the Porsche, you know, just things like that. I mean, the world is my oyster. I have all my options laid out before me. So I'm looking forward to the free time, especially to continue gaming because um you know this is where i would normally say a dub what you've been playing but but this time i'm gonna ask you what you've been playing yes sir because when we get to yours it's gonna be (laughs) um yeah i've been playing actually a christmas gift from last year and i brought it up last time i was here it was i cracked open fire emblem finally and so now i've had about two weeks to put into it and 
yeah, the game continues to evolve. Uh, what I really enjoy about this game, certain things that they took from Valkyria Chronicles, how the units, you can build their support level. And by building their support level, then they'll have added bonuses when <laughs> fighting near each other on the, the combat field. And it's uh, what's pretty cool, too, is that you're not only building the support levels, you're actually seeing it play out uh, in front of you. And so what will happen is like you'll have characters fight along beside each other or um, on one of your off days in the monastery where you choose to do what you want to do on school campuses, you can go and have a tea party or have lunch with certain characters. And by having them with each other, they build uh, an affinity for one another and then their support level rises. And once that happens, then you'll get a notification that um, these two characters can take the next step in their, in their friendship and so you click on that and then what's pretty cool is you then get to see a cutscene of those two characters interacting and this game is all about the personalities of your class you choose between three classes and all three classes have different students and each of the and with those students they all have their own different character traits and personalities and what's cool is then to see those like bounce off of each other it reminds me very very much of um my hero academia in ua and just how all those students they all have their own issues their own challenges to overcome um but at the end of the day are also on a team and they have to overcome those issues in order to make themselves stronger uh on the team and so with that like you're getting uh not only uh, a singular focus of your character but uh a general focus of the school at at large and then it's part that it plays in the world as you make your way out into missions um so yeah that's been awesome they've also added some other mechanics there is battalions which are basically little um squads that you can add to each character and with that it gives them a boost and a special attack on top of that that they can uh, then get off that will then i don't know put like a status effect on the enemy or have like a an area of effect for a group of enemies that are all clustered together um and with that what's pretty cool is when you assign a battalion to a character to like a student um the battalion also gains experience so there's like levels on levels on levels to to gain experience when it comes to combat you're not only building a character's experience you're building their experience towards a certain class that you're you're working your way towards um and then on top of that you're then giving them battalions that then build experience that will then add um stat boost to those characters that have those uh battalions equipped and with that um stronger attack so it's a uh, it's interesting like you can build your characters in many different ways and it's fun to even see them go through that because you actually see them do the training whether it's like horse writing and things along those along those lines if that's what you choose to train your character under um so yeah they found a way to take a game that has been done many times and has a somewhat i guess in comparison to divinity at face value simplified formula when it comes to turn-based tactical games but Hmm. then they they add all these other features into it to add a greater level of complexity to the characters and how you decide to interact with them and to mold them and so because of that um it would seem face value that it's simplified but it's very much that is not the case at all um and so with that uh, i'm really enjoying fire emblem so now fire emblem is called the three houses yes sir do you do you have control of these three houses? Do you pick one house? Yes, yeah, so you, to- you choose one of the houses. And 
each of the houses reflects a different region of uh, this one country. So this country is basically broken up into three major regions. There's the empire, the church, and then the alliance. The empire is run by basically kind of like a um, like a, a general king, if if you will. Yes. Um, and then the church, they're they're uh, they're ruled basically by the goddess who is. Um, um, a focal point within the game that she plays a major role because it's um at least where i'm at in the game i'm kind of through the act one phase uh and there have basically been rebellions in certain um sects of the church that have been there have been uprisings in their regions um and so they're pushing back against the goddess and so at this point i don't really know she seems to be good but there's there are some questionable things that she does where maybe she could be a villain down the line who knows but yeah the church plays a part and then the alliance is a group of um nobles that all allied in basically a republic to then rule their own region and so they have their own ways of going about things but um yeah they all represent one of the houses and they all play a part in the um the lore of that entire like country but um to see where it develops from here, I'm I'm not sure at all, but I'm hoping that it does. Based on which house I chose, I hope that that impacts, I guess, maybe the story of the game, but I'm not banking on it. But we, we, we shall see, A-Dub. Yes, we shall. I'm extremely jealous. It's yet again another reason to have a Switch. I'm all about Fire Emblem. I'm all about tactical turn base. So that reflects a little bit into what I've been playing. So, hey, Dove, <laughs> what have you been playing? Well, most recently, I've gotten a little taste of a couple of different games. Uh, I got back into Dead Cells for a little bit, and that's every bit as good as I remember. You know, you can either take it very slow and methodical, tactical, making sure that you're taking care of all these enemies without getting hit and you know you get rewarded for your efficiency in that manner but you can also approach it as somebody who's just trying to get to the levels as fast as possible and you get rewarded on that level as well i recently purchased the five dollar dlc the first and only paid dlc for the game on top of its numerous free dlc updates that occurred over its lifetime dead cells last time we talked about it sold like 500,000 copies in the last few months so you know it's still popular still on people's tongues still in people's storage devices but yeah playing you know at first it was a little weird i was just getting adjusted to the controls getting reaccustomed to the the general gameplay loop but by the time i died and played another run I was already moving through the level like butter, just had to get my dodge tight, had to get used to switching between the two attacks. Now I'm starting to get myself used to using the triggers again in order to use my my tools, throwing bombs, throwing out like man traps and saw blades, <laughs> turrets and things like that. I mean, Dead Cells, it's every bit as fun as it was when I first started playing, especially now that I have all of the the extraneous upgrades and runes that allow me to climb walls and separate my head from my body to reach otherwise unreachable portions of the game and do some exploring, grow vines out of piles of ooze, all that kind of stuff. But now with the paid DLC and the previous DLC chapters, there's new enemies, there's new items, there's new bosses, there's new levels. The new levels are presenting just layouts and traps and things that I am 
they they take you by surprise as somebody who's grown accustomed to the Dead Cells flow of things, you know, giant flowers that you have to step into them to bait them to close, avoid that so you don't get hurt and step on their thorns so you get a, a super high jump that doesn't hurt you. It's just needed in order for you to progress through these levels. And yeah, it's interesting seeing new elite enemies, all kinds of new mechanics, you know, trying to capture blueprints. So they now have an ability for you to find blueprints for different color color schemes of your outfit that you can switch into at the beginning of the level. There's new upgrades, new mutations. It's, it's a whole lot new. So I'm coming back to an old friend, but we have we have a lot of catch it up to do. We've we've grown, we've changed and we need to share these new stories. In addition to Dead Cells, I finally, I finally had the, the gumption, the cojones, in order to go ahead and start up XCOM 2. So AMC, I know you've been curious about that one. I've also just been looking forward to finally booting that up and getting into the system. I gotta say, from the moment it starts up all the way through, it's just like, okay, okay. Okay, <laughs> the, game, the game is doing it. Uh, it definitely has some issues. I mean, I don't know when it came out. The graphics, they get the job done. Uh, the performance could be a little better. It's a little stuttery. The low times take a long time. But when you're dealing with the game itself, it's tactical turn-based. It's sci-fi. You, you got aliens. You got technology. There's a war going on. Like basically. I don't know the whole XCOM backstory. XCOM is something that caught my eye even from the day when the first one was announced to now when we have XCOM 2 and it's I'm finally dipping my toe into the franchise. But it it deals a lot with, you know, the alien visitation to Earth, the aliens are hostile, they're they're taking human beings and turning them into like hybrids that do their bidding and they're they're organizing their military forces in order to conquer our globe. And we're the resistance, we're fighting back. So playing this game, it's awesome. Like you, you have your soldiers, it's incredibly brutal. So it's not like you can be out there and you could just make mistakes. There's permadeath with the characters. So if somebody dies in the field, they're gone. And there's it like you can't make mistakes or else you're going to lose which i really like because tactical turn base is the best like game style that's suited for that i'm playing missions that the game says are easy and i use air quotes for that and it's like oh lost the character let me go reload or auto save all right doing this doing this oh, lost the character let me go reload or auto save <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm taking it incrementally as I'm getting used to the difficulty curve of the game. Uh, I've heard some horror stories about XCOM 2 where RN Jesus is a very prominent force <laughs> in the life of this game where you could be in front of an enemy with like an 80 or 90% chance to hit and you'll just straight up miss. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm ready for it. I mean, I've had some situations where I've taken shots and it's like that definitely should have should have hit or there's no in between with this game. It's like you either hit or you miss. You can hit, you can get a critical hit or you can miss. 
Yeah, it's interesting because yeah, uh, Fire Emblem, like seventy percent is a good percentage. Like, <laughs> I guess as it should be. It's like yeah, like odds are in my favor. But that idea that like something could be ninety percent and like you still don't know, <laughs> like that's like that's a little worrisome, I guess. <laughs> like you're confident in making that decision, but you're disappointed with the outcome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That kind of shit. So I'm getting introduced to it. I went through the first two missions of the game, which involved rescuing a commander, being introduced to the game's mechanics, the way that the enemies behave. Uh, At the beginning of any encounter, there's a concealment phase where the enemies haven't seen you yet, and you can maneuver your, your characters to get in position in order to give yourself the best chance at ambushing them once all the shooting starts. And then the looting starts after that because you're looting the bodies of the enemy. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, you get yourself in position, then combat starts. And that's when you have to start dealing with the enemies. You do your combat, you achieve your objective. And it looks like the objectives kind of evolve as you play. So for instance, the first real mission I just played now was we had to get this, this energy, like, conduit or converter or something it's on a truck but it's there's something wrong with it it's damaged and we got to fix it and we only have a certain amount of turns to get onto the truck fix it and then in order for us to get extracted we have to we have to endure for a little bit against their reinforcements and then we can get out so set all the the characters up there are a couple enemy patrols moving on the map and you can see their their field of vision you get in position Everything pops off, you know, hopefully you take out all the enemies in the most strategic manner possible. So you take a minimum amount of damage, no casualties, get on there. You know, there's a lot of context sensitive actions. So I get a little, a little option to, to stabilize the converter. I get that done. Then the reinforcements come in. It's like, oh, you got to take care of them. Then we can extract you. Do all that. You go back to your base and you have a base. It looks a lot like Fallout Shelter. If you remember playing that game where you have that zoomed out view and you can see all the rooms. So you go to the various rooms. There's like research, engineering, the armory. And there's one more. And then the bridge where you get the missions. You know, you can you can pick different characters for your your squad and characters level up as they perform in missions. And as you loot characters and when they clean up battlefields, you get resources that you use for research that allows you to craft different things in engineering that you can then outfit your characters with. And as they level up, they get perks that makes them more efficient in battle. So it's, I'm liking the layers of interaction there are between the game systems that all builds toward the ultimate outcome of your team getting more powerful and being able to more efficiently handle the challenges that are put before them. And I guess you're going to have to get more powerful in order to handle, you know, increasingly difficult situations. I've, I've seen situations where you, like you blow out a wall and you're making your way to an extraction point. And there's a lot of really cool contextual type of things that seem to go on inside of this game. So I'm looking forward to digging into that while at the same time, somewhat daunted by the difficulty and the extreme lack of tolerance for mistakes that this game has. So it's pretty awesome. Reminds me a bit of divinity, but just more refined and 
far more punishing. So, yeah. However, other than those two games, I really got a chance to spend a great amount of time with a recent AAA release that came out on December 10th after eight years of waiting and speculating and getting hyped. I played Cyberpunk. So what I'm going to do in service to CD Projekt Red, in service to the game itself, and in service to gamers, is I'm going to start with the good stuff. Yeah, I'd say give me the good, the bad, and the ugly, and then we'll we'll build from there. (laughs) Uh, Well, there's some some blurry lines in between those categories, but we'll get to that. So with the good, let's just start with the fact that the moment that the game boots up, like, I'm just drawn into it immediately. It's like, all right, cyberpunk, this is it. You get it going, you get in the game. It looks fantastic. It's I'm on a PS4 Pro, so it's running pretty smooth. Get in, the vocal performances are awesome. The physical performances are pretty good. It's It's really putting me not only in the place but in the moment so i pick my i pick my origin story i go into the character creator i spend a good amount of time in the character creator i think they did a good job with this because the way it works is that there aren't sliders there are presets so you have choice but you don't have the room to really screw up and within all the choices you know i i found a lot of things that I like. Went with a female character, gave her female genitalia because you can customize that. You know, went with went with the no pubic hair option. <laughs> you can have pubic hair? Yes. Yeah, right. You can have it, you can color it, I think you can shape it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, like, it, it's not, like I said, it's, it's presets, not sliders. So, mm-hmm. you're not getting too in-depth with it, but you are making choices. Uh, yeah, went with my female character, got her looking the way I wanted her to look, was very satisfied with the, amount of, with the amount of options I had, got in the game, and just blown away, man. It, it, it looks amazing. It's got attitude. It's got style. The atmosphere is unbelievable. Humble beginnings. I started with the Nomad life path. I'm starting way outside of the city and just like a desert know dealing with a local sheriff and that kind of shit and just like okay but um, you see the cyberpunk stuff so he looks like a good old boy but he's got a a prosthetic arm and you know it's not terribly advanced but you can tell that it's prosthetic and then you have your abilities so you you have a scan ability and it's pretty much like detective vision it shows you all the things that you can interact with the various ways you can interact with them gives you information you can scan people that kind of stuff so you know getting into it walking around uh, one of my biggest hang-ups about this game before it came out was first person and i really wanted it to be in third because i'm third person beta sci-fi till i die shout out shaquille o'neal uh and but in this game, not only is first person fine, I feel like first person was the proper choice for it. It's just the way that you see the world from the way the CD Projekt Red designed it. it just, it's, it's more immersive and realistic than a lot of other like uh, 
lot of other open worlds from a first person perspective. Uh, normally I play Bethesda games in third person. Normally I play Rockstar games in third person, even though they offer first person now. But CD Projekt Red, Cyberpunk, it feels like first person was the move. Hop in a car, you know, testing out the driving. I like how, you know, at, at a certain speed, the car handles fine. But once you start getting outside of its performance range, it starts to break down a little bit, starts swerving, <laughs> that kind of stuff. So I'm just noticing all the little details I like about it. I like the way it moves. I like the way it feels. I love the way it looks. So going along the beginning missions, I eventually make my way to the city. You know, things are looking cool. I mean, it's just these towering skyscrapers everywhere. There's icons all over the map. There's just so much content. There's so much to do. I start doing missions, really getting into the story. I'm liking the shooting. First, I'm dying a few times. I have no idea what I'm doing, playing on hard. But eventually, I get it. And I start to, to synergize with the game. Like, all right, let me look at this guy. Let me hack him. Let me get him to, let me set him on fire. Let me disable his eyes. Let me come around to the side room, flank this guy, shoot him through a window. Let me, let me activate this thing over here to distract somebody, sneak up for the stealth kill. It, it's doing a good job of introducing me to things. It's doing all the cinematic stuff. I'm seeing the CD Project Red magic. Um, I'm under its spell. Like cyberpunk is by and large the game that I've been waiting for all these years. It's structurally, it's it's like a Far Cry game. And whereas you're in this open world and as you go around, like you might see some thugs or something over in a corner beating up somebody. And, you know, you have the option of going to interfere with that or you can keep going about your business. And then there's, there's shops and there's, people all around you know just going about their day you know sitting sitting on a ledge smoking a cigarette or you know see dudes in the gym working out you know people certain people talk to you and try to get your attention you're walking through the streets and if you walk by a point of interest you might get a text or a phone call that gives you some lore and tells you about oh yeah that some guys over here they have a thing and we want you to go in there and and get it from them and this is what it's about. You know, this is the job. It's, it's an interesting setup with this whole kind of bounty hunter, this whole kind of bounty hunter system where there's a fixer in any given area that contacts you and, and lets you know of jobs that are in the area. So by and large, it's doing everything it needs to do. I've put in about 45 hours now. It's for, for that first week, I simply could not put the game down I was always thinking about it I couldn't wait to get off work so I could play more of it I would stay up at all hours of the night going to bed at like three in the morning four in the morning get a couple hours sleep like all right just eight more hours than cyberpunk four more hours than cyberpunk cyberpunk in 30 minutes (laughs) it's just counting down the minutes to play this game it it delivered in so many ways. However, spending more time with it and beginning to see like what's really going on with it, it started to get a little, a little less luster, <laughs> as we could say. Uh, so I guess now that I've talked about a lot of the good, and I'll summarize it in this manner where 
it there's a good game that's waiting to be experienced in Cyberpunk 2077. However, as we move to the bad of the game, we start to understand how the game that's there is being hindered and held back by issues that have plagued it since its launch. So the big thing is that on the base consoles, the PS4 and the Xbox One, it does not perform well. I mean, there are videos circulating showing that like the texture loading is extremely slow. You might walk by and see just characters who look like muddy polygon monsters, like traffic doesn't spawn as often as it should. The frame rate is pretty laggy and, and there's just issues. And that's what's going on with the base consoles. Unfortunately, when CD Projekt Red sent out review copies, they only sent out codes for the PC version. They did not send out any kind of codes for the console version. So immediately out the gate, we get reviews that are like, you know, nine, sevens, eights, that kind of stuff. But then once the game gets into the wild, which it did in a staggered format, I think like PC players got access to it first. And then eventually, as we got closer to release, the console versions came up and it was discovered that they are just not up to snuff. Now, once you move up to like the pros and the, the Xbox One X's, the PS4, I mean, the PS5's, the, the Xbox series family of consoles, you see less performance issues, but one thing that every instance of the game is plagued with are just bugs and glitches galore. I mean, I'm talking on the level, like somewhere between Fallout New Vegas and Elder Scrolls Skyrim level of just bugs and glitches. I've seen NPCs T-posing. I've seen, it, when I first started the game, and I don't know if this is a verified bug, but I believe it's a bug. <laughs> so that's what I'll go with. There's this mission where I need to climb this radio tower and connect to the radio in order to contact somebody within the city so I can have a reason to go there and start the game proper. I get up on the radio tower and I'm high up. So I'm thinking, hey, maybe they, maybe they even covered the wind as a detail of the game. I'm moving and suddenly I just get launched to the side and I fall to the bottom of the tower and have to go back up. So I do that. I managed to get the radio thing. I'm trying to get down. It blows me to the side again. Like, okay, maybe it is the wind. I'm moving along the side of the tower, just like looking for stuff, trying to get things. Suddenly the game like teleports me from like the base of the tower to a completely different side of it in like halfway up it in an animation, like I'm on a ladder, but there's no ladder. <laughs> And I'm just stuck on the tower. So I get off of that. I move. It's like, oh, okay, whatever. that's a bug. I've heard about these. Proceed with the game. Get into the city. Not as densely populated as I expected, but whatever, you know, it still feels like there's enough there to complete the illusion. And it just, it just starts adding up over time. Just little things like, you know, I'll, I'll pick up a weapon off the ground and it'll equip invisible. 
and you can't see it. Or like it, there's a thing I'm seeing now where there's stealth in the game. You can sneak around the levels, you can choke somebody out or you can kill them. I don't know if there's any real difference or if that affects the game somehow, but you have the option. So I'm going around. I'm taking dudes out and you can stash their bodies a la Metal Gear Solid. You can look for boxes and containers around the level. Put a guy in a container or put him in the trunk of a car or something. And there'll be this little consumable in the game. There are little things littered all over the environment that you can interact with. Uh, there's consumables, there's junk, which you can break down for resources. There's weapons, you know, there's stuff to drink, that, that kind of stuff. Gives you little bonuses and buffs. There'll be one hanging in midair where I just dump the guy in a car. So it'll be like a little burger bag, just at head height, chilling. Like, okay, this is getting a little, a little odd here. There was one time where I wasn't looking, and apparently behind me, a vehicle drove into the foundation of a skyscraper before the collision detection of the game picked it up. And then suddenly it was just banging on everything inside of the foundation. It was wild. So suffice it to say, the game launched with a great deal of bugs. The performance on the base console versions wasn't up to snuff. And then we started getting to the ugly stuff. I mean, I can talk volumes about the bugs. I can talk about how when I'm previewing an item before I pick it up, how it shows me it tells me that it's weaker than what I have equipped when it's clearly stronger, or it tells me that it's stronger than what's equipped when it's clearly weaker. I could talk about how when I equip clothing items, how certain sections of the clothing, the geometry is just a little off. So if I have something that covers my character's legs, it'll have like pants shooting out the back of their leg while their legs are, are naked <laughs> and things like that. Oh. I uh, told you about characters T-posing. Then we get in the ugly. And that's with how CD Projekt Red decided to handle these things as they started to come up. So basically, I told you that they sent out PC review code but without sending out console review code. So their statement in apologizing to people for the console performance was that, so now, oh, now, we're, now we're getting into the topic of the week, <laughs> it sounds top like. Topic of the week. So yeah, I, I kind of wanted some, this to be like something a, of the week. Yeah, because I, I wanted this to be like a little bit separate because there's A-dub's impressions and then there's how the entire world is reacting to this game as like you're kind of figuring out how you personally feel about it. <laughs> yeah. And so now... now I mean, it's, now it's as far like, as... Sorry about the hiccups. It, 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 to summarize, my personal perception of the game is that it's it's by and large everything I wanted and expected from it. However, it's just being held back by these issues, as well as the reality that a lot of the ideas that it has in it are just saplings of what they really could have been if the game got just a little more time in the oven to cook and polish up. But, you know, as AMC alluded to, the world is experiencing all of this at the same time in mostly the same way and in a lot of unique ways. I mean, to, to the degree that CD Projekt Red issued an apology for the performance of the base console versions and their explanation was along the lines of, oh, when we were developing, we didn't pay close enough attention to the performance of the base console versions and that's why they're in the shape that they are. 
<laughs> it's like, what do you mean you didn't pay attention? Like, you announced this game before the current consoles were even out, and you developed it for like eight years, which is the entire life cycle of those consoles. And now you put it out and you say you didn't pay attention. That's kind of odd. Uh, the game has been patched a little bit a few times, but the patches just don't seem to be getting the job done. They seem to be creating other kinds of issues. It's it's to the point where because of the exposure and the reach of the game, it's gotten just an amplified response to it that is overwhelmingly negative. So when the reviews came out, they were for the PC version, they were mostly positive. Then people got the console versions in their hand and it became necessary to review the console versions of the game, which did not review well at all. I think it's among the lowest rated AAA games that ever released. IGN gave the base console versions a four out of 10, recommending people do not play them. Uh, as a response to that, CD Projekt Red issued another statement. <laughs> an update path letting people know like okay uh uh december 21st or something or there's supposed to be another patch in december to help fix some issues then there's supposed to be two big patches one in january one in february this would be fine but cd project red wanted us to know that by the time both patches are out that should take care of all the bugs and issues with the game so they set the bar for themselves on that. Uh, with the bugs and issues of the game, this includes games crashing. Uh, personally, I've experienced the game deleting my settings, and I have to go back into the option screen in order to reset those settings so that I can play the game with my inverted y-axis, with my subtitles disabled, because I like to listen. Just all manner of things, turn it down to aim assist. Uh, I told you about, about the game crashing. Luckily for them, the game has a pretty decent autosave feature. Uh, the most progress I've ever lost was about 10 minutes, which, you know, in the scope of this game, isn't a very bad thing. That's usually you just skulking around a scene, looting things, looking for stuff to hack in order to get cheap experience and, you know, get some perk points, things of that nature. But, you know, a lot of other people are having other problems. <laughs> like they're, they're warning of save file corruption once you get over 12 megabits. And, oh man, it's, I don't even know where to keep going with this, but. I was just, just uh, keep dictated. going with the uh, yeah, keep going with the headlines. With the headlines dictating, yeah. So, game launch bad. CD Projekt Red. They apologized if they weren't paying attention. Gave us the the update path, but people still weren't terribly happy with what was going on. So the refunds started being requested. Microsoft they have a pretty decent refund policy. No big deal there. Games going back. Sony doesn't have that good of a refund policy. CD Projekt Red instructed gamers, hey, if you guys don't like the game, talk to Sony and Microsoft in order to get your refund. So immediately funneled people away from themselves to Microsoft and Sony to get the refunds. Sony had to come to an agreement with the developer in order to be like, okay, we're going to be refunding people 
for these digital copies. And eventually CD Projekt Red got to the point of telling people with physical versions that, hey, if you can't get a refund, just make sure you have your receipt, contact us directly, we'll issue you a refund. Uh, like I said, this all these issues are magnified and amplified by a great deal because this game had over 8 million pre-orders before it was launched. So a great deal of the gaming community got this at the same time and was simultaneously outraged by everything that was going on. So. And it's like, a, it's a different type of outrage because even when we did our Trolls of the Week uh, for Cyberpunk pre-launch, a lot of it just had to do with people just kind of their own personal critiques that they just thought the game wasn't going to be good. But nobody really got into... It's, it's not going to live up to the hype or the expectations. Yeah. Oh, they're transphobic. <laughs> yeah, it was It was all It was all the things... The typical from, stuff. Yeah, it was all the surface level stuff. But there wasn't really talks about will the game run properly? And so I think that's where, that's where it kind of took, I guess, the community by surprise in that... It was kind of weird that they didn't give that they gave out PC review copies and not console. Like usually, it's you don't give out any review copies, or you give out all the review. Yeah, copies. you have a but straight that, up embargo. Yeah, but you don't do the we're gonna select who gets to review it and who doesn't get to review it on what particular platforms. So that was like the first red flag, and then so but then people were still kind of like, all right, well, we'll see what happens, and then people still got it, and then once all the bugs like came to play came into play that's where it's a completely different situation it's not like the last of us where people are like well i don't like a story choice or i don't like that characters can't have a certain type of relationship in like other games like this is like mm -hmm. the game is the game is just not running the way we like it and We've seen this with other games, plenty of other games where they've had performance issues. But the key here is what A Dub said: eight million people pre-ordered this, uh, and so it just it's at a greater level of magnitude. And then you also throw on top of that the the cross-gen aspect, where it's usually that's the fear: is if you're playing on old hardware, will the game still play properly? And as of to, as of like up until now, that usually has not been the case. If anything, people usually yeah. complain the game was held back because it was on previous hardware, and so they didn't do more with the game than they could have done with the the next gen. But in this case, yeah, but it still works. <laughs> yeah, in this case, the difference being they seem to not care at all about the previous gen the old gen and just focused on how to optimize the game on better hardware and so then yeah. that's where you see the gripes because then it's clearly like oh like you guys just decided to just avoid looking at one of the versions of this game and that happens to be in this case the version that majority of people are going to be playing it on with the uh the shortage of next gen consoles people the majority of people are getting it on old gen hardware and that's where then the vocal minority becomes the vocal majority as far as the negativity yeah and you know not so many people are getting them on old consoles anymore because sony at some point has delisted the game from the playstation store so as far as getting a digital version if you don't have it already you're not going to be able to get it until sony puts it back up. And I imagine they're not going to put it back up until the game has been substantially patched to reach 
a certain level of consumer satisfaction. Yeah, it's interesting um, to see like how that works. Like, I wonder if it's because of Sony's ref- refund policy. And that's why Microsoft hasn't delisted it because it's a little easier for them to refund it. So it's not as big of a deal. Whereas for Sony, it's like, oh, this is too big of a headache for us to deal with in a way that we haven't really put ourselves in position to have to deal with in this in this type of situation. Uh, as far yeah, as like it's mass drawing refunds. too much attention to our shortcomings. Yeah, it's like it's yeah, like the mass refunds is a problem. And so for them, it's like this is too big of a headache for us to deal with at this point. We'd rather not make any money off of this game. Um, and so we're just gonna delist it. Whereas Microsoft is like, yeah, you know, you could still buy it, but if you don't want it anymore, we'll give you a refund. <laughs> Yeah. It's insane. And of course, all this fervor has got to have a larger impact overall, which it has in our next little subtopic of the week. Subtopic Topic of the of week. week. <laughs> uh, CD Projekt Red stock drops 29% around Cyberpunk 2077 launch. Uh, this equates to roughly about a billion dollars in the company's overall value. So before people start dancing in the streets in celebration of their imminent failure, just, you know, keep your pants on because this is just market valuation. Like that billion dollars isn't real money, but in most things, they're probably going to get that back over some time as they reestablish consumer confidence while getting this game into proper shape, as well as eventually when the Witcher four undoubtedly comes around, but just demonstrating how, the ripple effect of this launch is somewhat large. Man, Jesus. They promised refunds they couldn't guarantee. Sony delisted it. They got abysmal reviews on the base consoles. Uh, and all this really, it's sort of a unifying event because in all the outrage and all the internet conversation, which it is unending at this point, a lot of gamers are unified in the overall opinion that like CDPR messed up here and it's no one's fault, but theirs. There's no, there's no industry like conspiracy. There's no corporate agenda. There's no social justice warrior, this or that. It's just like, wow, these dudes just messed up. And for those of us who have really put, a decent amount of time into the game it's most sad just for the game itself because within these issues at the core of it is really a good game that wants to be appreciated that wants to please it's just it's held back by the condition it was allowed to be released in and like don't get me wrong i would say that the consumers have some kind of blame there just all the derision and disappointment from the game being delayed, people sending death threats from the last delay when they moved it to December 10th. Well, and like, uh, so really, all that, all that stuff kind of has, has some weight in the situation. Well, there's like a, another story. I don't know if you're going to get into it. Um, where but, they said they, <laughs> uh, just the, the fact that after, what is it? The years of development, the game 
returned a profit on that like at launch <laughs> so with all this anger the game returned a profit with the launch of it so they covered all their expenses all their development expenses and then were gaining money as the game was yeah. getting like fricasseed <laughs> so that means like people were still buying the game no matter what with all the red flags even with some of the warnings and then the hate people were still picking up this game and i imagine it's still so that was that was the 8 million pre-orders yeah exactly and so that's like that's the part where like gamers the only like they take some of the blame in that hey why are you all buying this game (laughs) apparently if you had if you had like questions about it and yada 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 you didn't you literally didn't have to get it day one the moment you saw that the game wasn't being reviewed on consoles and people were like why isn't it being reviewed on consoles with the pc version why are they holding it back people could have immediately canceled their pre-orders the game wasn't going to go anywhere there weren't shortages of the game you could get it digitally like unless you had a collection there were eight million collector's editions out there but anybody who had it digitally (laughs) could have totally canceled their pre-order and waited and then saw this reaction and then not had the game so in that way cd project totally fucked up and they get the majority of the blame but there is a little bit of the how many times do we have to tell you (laughs) <laughs> like when it comes to yeah. like murdering a game because <laughs> i mean this isn't the first game that's ever had a shitty launch we have mass effect andromeda we have no man's sky we have the order 1886 which is probably the earliest that i can possibly think of with a game that that just launched with so much derision and criticism in spite of the tremendous hype around it uh what that other one that you talked about fallout I mean, 76 yeah, Fallout seventy six. I mean, Anthem. Um, Anthem. Yeah, there's, there's been the game, and then there's just been games that have had their issues, like Arkham Knight on the PC didn't run well, um, and that got delisted and refunds issued and people yeah. getting free games. Like and like, there have just been games where they've had their performance hitches. Like that's why, like as you said, like it's somewhere in between like Fallout three and Skyrim. Skyrim is one of the biggest selling or you said maybe new vegas what you're saying uh but skyrim is one of the best closer close (laughs) yeah skyrim is like one of the best selling games of all time and the company is literally called bug thesda because their games don't run well or like have a at least yeah their their games have known been known for having issues with running well and i remember like when yes xbox the the globe over are excited about them being purchased by microsoft exactly and then there was (laughs) yeah like mass effect andromeda when that launched and i remember hearing issues where like you could you literally couldn't complete quests because the character wouldn't be there to close out the mission and so you're just like all right like well that sucks like there are just there are issues there with like andromeda at launch but as you said it's to this this day one of my missions is still bugged because i can't turn it into the guy i can't interact with him yeah and then like as we discussed in the pre-show with uh no man's sky and people thinking like oh yeah like i'm gonna go find my friend out in the world and in the earlier versions of the game people did that within a couple of days of launch and then hello games had to quickly like walk back well they're at least their their rollout for the multiplayer is what we'll say and so there have been versions of this but as you said it's the scale of the game (laughs) yeah the exposure i mean you got run the jewels merch for cyberpunk you got keanu reeves all over it on the commercials you got you got you got cell phones in china (laughs) you got the chinese cyberpunk (laughs) cell phones that probably don't work (laughs) 
Oh, man. Oh, that man. I literally bugged. Um, yeah, so there's just uh, this is just like one of those ones where, like, I was as I'm going through like my own personal stuff, I'm like, like checking my phone every now and then just to see what's going on, video gaming wise. And every week is just the fallout of Cyberpunk and the reaction. Cyberpunk and then, did this. CDPR did that. Yeah, it's like every time CD Projekt Red opened their mouth, something worse came out about the game. <laughs> it was just like... Yeah, and they have no problem opening their mouths because, I mean, we've seen that since The Witcher 3 where they had this unrelenting habit of talking shit about the industry or developers, just kicking their, their colleagues when they're down to yeah. boost themselves up in the eyes of the consumers. And it's like, dude, that's it's kind of a shitty way for you to get get the clout that you're building right now. At well, the same also, token, it just makes a brighter spotlight that makes it easier to melt when what you have is made of wax. Yeah. And then there's also the, the people who hold up CD Projekt Red as the, well, they are the standard. And all the other companies like EA and Activision need to bend the knee and take a note <laughs> from them. And They're so, the pro-consumer developer that all other developers should seek to emulate. Yeah, exactly. And so now you see this when you see the uh, the charlatan <laughs> be called out for who he is. It's, it's fun to kind of see them. I mean, it sucks because there's a lot of developers there that probably were trying to get that shit as good as possible and just couldn't meet the deadlines of, I guess, the publishing team. Um, yeah. But yeah, like uh, once again, it's it's nice to see a person who has basically uh, capitalized on other people's downfalls to ha- to see their comeuppance <laughs> so publicly. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not so much. It's not so much that it's good to see, it's just in this particular situation, although, you know, I wish it didn't happen, but we here at Control Issues, we've been trying to explain to y'all that it's it's a subtle form of manipulation that they were engaging in, and people were holding them up as something that they really weren't entirely, and, you know, it's sad that it took cyberpunk in order for it to be brought to the forefront. But you see that they're just like every other company. They're not these heroes. They, don't get me wrong, they're talented. They have outstanding IPs. Cyberpunk definitely deserves to get a fair chance once it's in a good enough condition where it can be experienced for what it is and what it wants to be. But at the same token, I think, CD Projekt Red, they they brought this on themselves and it just not only they were going to slip at some point because they're not that image, but because there was such a spotlight on them and because there was so much hype by this game, if they had done what they did with Cyberpunk with their mouth shut, the whole time instead of kicking all the other developers all the eas and the activisions and all that they probably could have weathered this a little better because they at least would have had some benefit of the doubt i have no doubt that the developers who were working on the game wanted to put out the best game possible this is obviously some kind of management or even like a shareholder kind of thing where it's just put the game out i want my profit so you shouldn't just burn bridges with the entire developer over this but at the same token just learn to see when something either 
isn't entirely genuine or is just sort of a sleazy maneuver, but from the other direction, like the Witcher three, all that free content, like people bitch and moan up and down every day about developers that announce DLC plans before the game comes out or has like pre-order DLC incentives at certain retailers, depending on who you pre-order from or, you know, stuff where if you get the game on day one, you get this bonus content. It's like, oh, why are they, why are they charging me for this stuff? It should just be on the disc. It should just be in the game. But then CD Projekt Red gives you free stuff. It's like, oh, they, they really care about the consumer. They're giving me stuff above and beyond. It's like, yo, if you're going to accuse one developer of cutting content out of your game because they're, they're trying to get you to pre-order somewhere or they're trying to get you to buy it on day one or they're trying to get you to pay for it, it's no different than somebody cutting content out of a game just to give it back to you for free after launch. They're just trying to get something different out of you. And because it's free, you don't give a shit. And I, I feel like they were trying to stack all that goodwill and unfortunately, it didn't pay off in this situation. It sucks. And I don't think people should take it out on the game. The game should be appreciated for what it is. But definitely take it out on the developer because they did this. <laughs> so the developer, the publisher, whatever. Yeah, I would it's, say it's definitely, um, I mean, I don't know how connected the publisher and the developer is. But um, yeah, it's whoever is heading that company is the one who should get all the blame. It's like, you don't, yeah. you don't give the people at naughty dog shit. If something comes out, but yeah, if naughty dog fucks up in some way, you can give Neil Druckmann shit. Cause now he's the president of the company. Um, and so, yeah, you look at the heads in this case, you don't look at the guy who, whose one sole focus is to work on lighting <laughs> in the game yeah. for all these other issues. The um, lighting guy didn't fuck it up for everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I've even heard people like saying like with all the issues of the game, like people should give props to like the composition because the music is supposed to be really good in the game and things on those lines. I mean, even yeah, we music talk- is pretty good. I listened, I listened to the dirge, which is the hip hop station. And I'm, I'm kind of liking the hip hop on there. I mean, like we even like, and this is how complicated the game gets. Like we talked about in the pre-show, I was like, with all this said, like you put in the hours, you recommended the game to me at some point. And then I even said like, because this is the game that we compare everything with, how did you like it in comparison to Mass Effect? <laughs> and you said, I, I, with all the issues, I still enjoyed it more than Mass Effect. Andromeda. See, um, and, and even that's a weird thing because <laughs> Cyberpunk has way more issues and way more like impactful issues than Andromeda has. But at the same token, I'm getting more enjoyment out of what I'm able to enjoy from Cyberpunk than I am from other games. Like I, it, in absence of the issues, if I could just play Cyberpunk for what it is, game of the gen for me, easy. It just, it ticks so many boxes and it does it in a way that no other game does. You feel like you're there. You feel like you're participating and you feel like you're unraveling these secrets of this world as you're trying to make it through the main thrust of the story. It didn't deserve this. <laughs> and I feel so bad. I feel bad for this game. I feel bad for the people that were excited for it. And I feel bad for the people who made it because I can, I was, as I was explaining to you before, it's, you see saplings of ideas like seedlings and saplings of them where, you know, you'll go in the trunk of a car 
or your own car and you'll see that it has a stash and it's like, oh, so they could have made something where I maybe I go in for a mission and I got to go in and not have weapons so I can pass their inspection. I talk to somebody, I come back out, I pop the trunk on them, I come back with the assault rifle, <laughs> like that kind of shit. Or, or you see a mechanic like the brain dance where you're scanning somebody's memory and you're able to see it from different angles, explore different sources of data in order to listen to things that they, that happened around them that they may not have been, they may not have heard clearly, but you can. And there are the rudiments for a incredibly fantastic science fiction based detective story where you're you're putting clues together, you're finding people, you're tracking perps down, you're you're asking questions, and it's everything is there. It's just it's not done to the level of where it needs to be in order to really tie everything together. I'm enjoying it. It's the far cry I've always wanted. It's just not the cyberpunk that I was led to believe it was going to be. All right, let's get into the next. Oh, wait. We have oh, trolls, yes. don't we, Ada? Yeah. Oh, we got trolls. <laughs> we got all the trolls. I'm looking for them. I'm looking around. We got our troll of the week. Troll of the week. week. So, it was kind of hard choosing between who was going to be troll of the week. <laughs> was it going to be the people or was it going to be CD Projekt Red themselves? Because they've done a lot of trollish nonsense, but we've covered all that. So we're going to give you the people side of things. Some folks I agree with, some folks I don't. We'll let you decide. First troll says massively overrated developer. Ridiculous that people put them on the same pedestal as Rockstar and Naughty Dog after Witcher 3. Now, you see, this is a troll I kind of disagree with. Uh, I wouldn't say they're massively overrated developer. I would just say they, they really had a stroke of genius with The Witcher 3, and they deserve to be mentioned in the conversation with Rockstar and Naughty Dog. However, they don't have the track record of, of quality and putting out successive hit games like Rockstar and Naughty Dog. So while, they, while they've shown they're capable of that degree of work, they haven't shown that they're capable of maintaining that degree of work. Unfortunately, Cyberpunk is one of those, those half steps where the idea is there, the ideas within the game itself that make it what it is are there. I mean, the visual is there. The fantasy is complete. It's just launched in miserable condition. So this is definitely a ding against them. However, I don't think this really knocks them out of the conversation. Like AMC, how would you feel about this dynamic based on your experience with CD Projekt Red and the other developers? I think it's, um, as I, I, I would put them more in line with like, a Bethesda, and now it's like kind of been their competition. Oh, that's fair. They, they put out the the game that went head to head, or like at least yeah, went against Skyrim. After Skyrim's insane popularity, The Witcher comes out. You have your fantasy RPG game, and people are like, "Well, this is now the king." And for a while, The Witcher, The Witcher Three was the RPG that people looked at as like the standard when you think of uh, the last generation. Uh, and so you can't, 
you can't suddenly say they're a bad developer if they put out a game that was held at that that level of um that level put on that pedestal and so uh mm-hmm. i think it's yeah it's it's a misstep in that they tried to scale up to an even greater degree and they just couldn't they didn't execute um this also i mean if anything with this generation this generation has also been about redemption stories as we've discussed weekly with um no man's sky and how they they i I remember like we even covered stories like years ago with no man's sky after the launch and once they realize oh we need to stop talking and let's just shut up and work on our game that's what cd project red is dealing with right now is they did all the talking and when it was working it was working and then when things weren't working right they continued talking and they realized that mm-hmm. this isn't helping and then so you then shut up and you just work on your game and just try to make it better but stop making the promises um and that's i think every developer eventually learns that they eventually learn that once the mob is upset with you you gain nothing by interacting with them all you can do is put your head down and work on the game and improve the game and make it better. And then the people who still support you, they'll stick around and they'll continue to talk great about your game. And then I'll hopefully eventually bring people back to the game to play it. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's one of those things. Like I don't look at them as like, they're done. They're washed. Like, yada, yada. Um, oh, far from it. Yeah. It's just, they put out a bad game. And as we said, Bethesda, they put out fallout 76 people were immediately upset when they signed with microsoft because they're like well what does that mean about uh what was it um their, their sci-fi starfield. game starfield i was like yeah, oh like, well, we might not get starfield on playstation now like this is horrible so all those people who are mad about fallout um fallout what was it fallout <laughs> 76 fallout, fallout not 70. to be confused with not to be confused with 75. Yeah. All the people who are upset about Fallout 76 quickly had short memories once uh, mm-hmm. the next game was announced. And so I think it'll be the same thing. Well, once it seems like they can't get something. Yeah. And so I think it'll be the same thing with uh, with this game. Whatever they announce next, it will take its lumps. But once again, if they announce like their next game is The Witcher, like four or whatever, like they restart the trilogy and do like a whole new Witcher series, people will be back on, they'll, they'll be back in people's good graces because that's the thing that they remember them doing well. Very much like when... Especially if they do it well. Yeah, especially when Bioware, people have been shitting on Mass Effect series. They announced Mass Effect Legendary and Edition and people are like, hell yeah. Like this is the Bioware that we missed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, all you have to do is just do right, uh, you're you're all you're only as bad as your last mistake and so you just try to what have you done for me lately yeah exactly all the cliches and so they can fix this it's just (laughs) they're gonna take their lumps for a while (laughs) all the jenny jackson sauce Uh, just one more note on the bethesda thing you know you you have to acknowledge the consumer involvement there a lot of the elevation that CD Projekt Red got with The Witcher 3 was because people were just looking for something to point to when talking about Skyrim because they didn't like Bethesda, because they didn't like Elder Scrolls, because they didn't like the engines. They were like, oh, Witcher 3 is way better. Witcher 3 does everything better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So just set yourself <laughs> up. It's, it's all the system. Like, everybody has a hand in this. Yeah. <laughs> if you really want to, if you really want to like start putting yarn on the cork board and, you know, figuring out who's, who's linked to the mob boss. <laughs> so <laughs> next, 
Next troll says, in quotes, you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Harvey Dent. CD Projekt Red should have just died with The Witcher 3. (laughs) (laughs) Just dissolved. (laughs) Just as soon as you made that game and got all your critical acclaim, you should have just just packed it up, broken down the tin. (laughs) Kicked the can down the road. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, mercy. Uh, dude, if if I was working at or owning or operating a developer that put out The Witcher 3, I'm not dying there. I'm going for the next thing. But if I was running the show, I definitely wouldn't bow to anybody's pressure to put it out before it's ready. So I'm hoping that wasn't shareholder pressure. I'm hoping that wasn't executive pressure. But there, there's no way that you could have seen what was going on with that game in development and then like eh, let's go with this <laughs> mm-hmm. there's no way that happens so there there had to be some kind of external pressure well internal external whatever but i, I feel like there had to be something there because they put up the, it's remember when the game was first shown back in 2012 with release date when it's ready and then the series of delays, I think it was delayed like what, three or four times. It showed that the developer wanted to take the necessary time, but then at the same token, we got all the stories about the unnecessary crunch, about how the game was being slapped together like in the final couple years of its development cycle. So there's, there's some conflicting tales going on there. Next troll says, I love it when scummy developers get called out for shady stunts. Twitter has been brilliant to watch for the last 24 hours. <laughs> so would we rise to the level of considering CD Projekt Red a scummy developer? No, I would say that what they just did was very scummy with the launch of this game. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, I don't I I personally don't look at any developer as a scummy developer. I just think they all do something shitty, whether it's they're trying to try out something new and then people reject it, or they intentionally do something and then they get caught for doing it. But you have to have literally uh, an entire established history of consistently trying yeah. to trick your consumers in a way where they end up losing in the long run before I would consider you like scummy. Because like even that, like some of the stuff and like. They- like it, it like some of the stuff they did some of the like especially like when was it when smart delivery was announced and then cd project right was the first company to be like and we will have a free upgrade and then like 2k puts out what nba 2k and they charge for their mm-hmm. next gen version and then so they look bad now in the process um I think there's there's certain things that they did where you yeah, just yeah because everybody's looking at CD Projekt Red like well they're putting it out for free so why aren't you putting it out for free yeah exactly and so there's like there's just certain things that they've done where it's just like ah that's a shitty move but it's also if you can execute it it does I guess like it does set a standard that will hopefully push the industry in the right direction but then once you start saying you're gonna do shit and then you don't do it and then yeah, and then you don't do it, then all you did was just try to act like an opportunist. And that's what they look like right now. They just look like opportunists. I wouldn't consider their entire company scummy. They haven't demonstrated a pattern of behavior that I would consider scummy. I think what they did here was bad, but I think that 
internally they wanted to do better. And I think this is a wake-up call for any of the people involved with the decision for them putting the game out in this state. They're like, hey, maybe we shouldn't do that. Yeah. Uh, next troll says, oh, you got something? No, no, no. The only thing I was going to say was um, I remember was Sean Lane or one of those dudes uh, at PlayStation. They, um, they had an article where they had mentioned that, and it was like kind of like a, a headline that everybody picked up on where they said that putting out single player games is a risk. And everybody's like, what does that mean? Like, cause everybody just wants single player games. So how is putting out, how is PlayStation putting out single player games a risk? But you see in this situation, like a game like this, where it's a single player game where you're just pumping millions of dollars into it. And if you don't get a return on it, then yeah, that that's the risk right there. Um, exactly. Or, and then, so I mean, there's no, there's no multiplayer or any other monetization with the game. So it's not like they're making money back to recoup those costs. Cause like, yeah, they pulled a profit on day one with the 8 million pre-orders, but at the same token, they're getting mass refunds. So who knows how much of that profit has already been canceled out. Yeah. And it's just like in general, like you see with this game, it's you have your promises and what you want to um, what you want the game to have but then can you execute and then how will the people react to the game when it comes out and so no matter what if you're putting out something if you're putting out a product you're always taking risks especially after putting millions of dollars into it <laughs> to get it made um, and so yeah you see here that like no matter what multiplayer single player whatever you're always taking a risk when you put out any type of product, even if it seems like a given <laughs> that like it's going to do successful. And a, a big level of props I give to CD Projekt Red along the development of Cyberpunk is there the amount of transparency that they did display when the product was being made. So while they weren't showing off console versions, they were at least letting consumers know that like, hey, this feature that we talked about where you have where you can buy multiple apartments and you can customize them. Yeah, that's not going to be in the game anymore. Oh, yeah, uh, this footage we're showing, it's not representative of the final product. Anything can is subject to change until we finalize the game. Oh, the being able to run along the wall and, and hang on the wall with your Mantis blade, yeah, you can't do that anymore. We couldn't get it to work. So people were made aware of what the game was going to have and not have along the course of its development, at least to some respectable extent. So there was transparency in that regard. There were red flags along the way. This didn't come entirely out of nowhere. Uh, in response to this troll saying they love when scummy developers get called out for shady stunts, somebody replied, Project Red is a scummy developer now? LOL. <laughs> basically feeding back into what we're saying where they aren't scummy it's just this situation is a bad one next troll says they should have canned the xbox one and ps4 version a year ago <laughs> yeah there's, so, sure there's a lot of people saying that now right now <laughs> yeah there's a ton of people i mean to to be frank i was among the people who believe that if they just decided to cancel the ps4 and xbox one versions i wouldn't have been upset because this has happened in the past. The Last Guardian and Final Fantasy Versus 13 were announced as PlayStation exclusives for the PS3. And as we approach PS4, Xbox One, suddenly The Last Guardian gets moved to next gen for PS4. And Final Fantasy Versus 13 gets rebranded as Final Fantasy 15. 
and its move multi-platform to next gen. So neither of those games came to PS3. It it stung in the moment, but it wasn't a big deal. They were being put on hardware where they could have the best chance to make the best impression and really become the products that they that they wanted them to be. So in this light, I feel like if Cyberpunk had gotten the same treatment, people would have complained a little bit, but it just would have fueled the desire to get a next-gen console or to build a beefy PC rig in order to enjoy the game in the shape that it was going to be released. If people had just played the PC version, which was reviewed first and got pretty glowing reviews, it would have been a much different story. So, you know, things could have gone differently. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Next troll says cyber flunk. (laughs) Next troll says it was never going to live up to the hype. No games that are hyped for so many years ever do. Doesn't help that the internet will find ways to hate everything either. Well, that kind of comes down to perception. Of course, there are some games that don't live up to the hype. I'm, I'm, don't know why anyone would think Duke Nukem Forever would have been some, you know, step forward in games development, but a lot of people did, and it didn't live up to that hype. Uh, Final Fantasy Versus 13, there was a lot of hype for that one. I was very hyped for it. Then when it became Final Fantasy 15, started to lose my hype a little bit. It didn't turn out the way that a lot of people wanted it to. I know AMC, you enjoyed your time with it. It was it was feelings if you want to add anything there. Yeah, it was better than 13. Um, so it was an improvement on that, which was again that like I it's the one Final Fantasy game I actually quit playing was 13. So I did play 15. Well, yeah, uh, same here. Yeah, I played 15 in its entirety and and enjoyed that game. Um, I I did have, like, it was one of those things I beat it, and I was like, all right, I will never touch that game again. Like, just because, like, the final final act of that game just, it got bizarre, and I just didn't care at some point. So I would say that, like, it's uh after that like i'm i've kind of i'm now on the fence with any final fantasy game moving forward i will say though mm-hmm. building on the point um i i mean breath of the wild was a game that was delayed uh essentially to be a switch title and that game ended mm-hmm. up coming out and is by many considered to be the best switch title um after a console for a console that's been out for a couple of years now so there are some Regardless situations of what the vocal minority has to say about it yeah so regard uh, no matter what if people complain about delaying a game all that really matters is how is that game at launch um what that that famous quote by whoever it was that said you can only launch a game once so you delay it as much as you can as possible but yeah it de- delaying a game doesn't guarantee that it's dead on arrival as mentioned with breath of the wild so um, it also doesn't guarantee that it's going to be the best it can be <laughs> yeah red flags i mean if you see red flags for a game you should always consider them but it's the the right. I told you that I told you so's are the people who are like oh, I've been saying this for years. It's like, but you bought the yeah. game. So if you've been telling us mm-hmm. the game was going to be shit and you still bought it, what does that say about you? <laughs> yeah, if you're requesting a <laughs> refund <laughs> after you pre-ordered a game, you're probably not the person to talk to. Yeah, it's a, there's a lot of uh, like, there's the a lot of like Monday morning quarterbacking right now of like, oh, I would have done this. It's like, well, you still bought the game, so clearly. <laughs> Clearly you wouldn't, (laughs) but I mean, Rockstar has a pretty track record of 
games that just take forever to come around. And when they do, they ultimately just not only live up to the hype and the expectations, but also set the bar for the industry at large. I mean, GTA 5, although that step back from GTA 4 in many ways for me, it's I still acknowledge it as the best GTA, even though it's not my personal favorite GTA. Uh, Red Dead Redemption 2, that is absolutely my favorite Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> and that is a phenomenal game, despite the problems that people are having getting a grasp on its aiming mechanics and dealing with its realism. So there are games that do live up to the hype after years of expectation of marketing. So I, I don't want to endorse the idea that cyberpunk is somehow a reflection of what becomes of games that take excessively long amounts of time in development. The last of us too, that took what, six or seven years from when the first one came out. One of the, best reviewed, most awarded, best received games there is, despite people being upset with the writing and the characters and, you know, a little more on that later. I mean, how long, how long has Star Citizen been in development and people keep (laughs) pumping that developer with money (laughs) to keep making that How long has Star Citizen been in beta? Like, it's been in (laughs) multiple betas. Yeah, and that company still raises money to ridiculous amounts and they just keep working on it and I don't see people complaining about it. <laughs> like, like, like it's cause that community just supports whatever that developer does. And so, I mean, a game could be in development for decades and still receive tons of money from this community to keep doing what they're doing. <laughs> I mean, case in point, Diablo three that came out it was definitely not well received especially for having the real money auction house especially having for an abysmally low legendary drop rate especially for having its cartoony graphics and just anything that people could point to where it was dissimilar from diablo 2 was a reason that diablo 3 wasn't good fast forward a few years an ultimate evil edition a couple of new character classes seasons (laughs) a whole new chapter and it's one of the greatest games that money can buy so even if you have a bad launch even if you're a game that took forever to come out and you didn't live up to initial expectations you can always meet and exceed those expectations further down the road with dedication hard work and a pursuit to make the game into the vision that was sold during the development cycle also next trouble. sorry there are plenty of games that come out on time that are absolute dog shit so mm-hmm. <laughs> let's also keep that in mind too yeah i mean shoot i mean uh, elder scrolls and fallout uh, not to not on the dog shit level but elder scrolls and Fallout. they always take a long time to come out but they get announced they get the release date they hit that release date and they're usually pretty well received mm-hmm. <laughs> examples all around you grant uh Gran Turismo 7, here's hoping. Next troll, never pre-order, especially not from a multi-billion dollar company. People just don't seem to learn. (laughs) A couple of things here. Uh, First and foremost, pre-ordering has nothing to do with anything. That's not a it's not a complete business transaction. You can cancel a pre-order whenever you want to. It's just a means for companies to be able to determine demand and for the people pressing the games to get an idea of how to avoid production overruns and shortages so that when you go to a store, you're going to have your copy 
but not too many copies so that they don't spend too much money and they can get a bigger profit down the road. Second point, especially not from a multi-billion dollar company. Newsflash, fucko, most of these companies are multi-billion dollar companies. So you're just saying never pre-order a game, which is silly because if you want a game, if you believe in a game and you're willing to take a risk on it, you should pre-order it to ensure that you get your copy if you want it physically or if you just want to get your your digital preload going on. Whatever reason you have to pre-order Go ahead and pre-order. Just make sure that what you're putting your money down is what you want and that you're confident in it. If you're not, don't buy it. The biggest problem with this scenario isn't the pre-ordering itself, but it's this overwhelming need for consumers to have something the moment it's available. If we can look at ourselves in the mirror and do something about that, internal need then that's when things change because if the day one numbers go down then these companies are going to have to go back to the drawing board and think to themselves more critically about what they're going to have to do in order to get our dollars on that day one so they can set their records so they can make their profits so they can get their budget back so they can keep their shareholders happy all this and that So if you really want to change things, feel free to pre-order if you're confident. Just don't buy day one if you're not. And the money will do the talking. You got anything to add on that, AMC? No, I think think we kind of hammered it home. (laughs) Uh, Any other trolls or is that the last one? Oh, so many trolls. Uh, (laughs) I'll just hit you with the quick ones. One troll says, more lies and bullshit from CDPR. Pitiful. Another troll says, straight disaster. These practices just sully the entire industry as a whole. Kind of agree with you there. Next troll says, what a disaster, LOL. Another troll, what a complete shit show. Uh, Next troll, they removed it from the PlayStation Store. This has to be the worst game release of all time. Uh, another troll hits you with a little dialogue. Phil Spencer saying the idea of games being held back is a meme that gets created by people who are too caught up in device competition. Cyberpunk says, hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mercy. Well, I mean, we've said a mouthful. In the end, we've seen this before. This isn't new. So while it's understandable and justifiable to be upset by the events that have transpired over the past week or two, it's also on you to learn from history. So sometimes games just don't have a good launch. Got to get better at reading the red flags. If you have this distrust and distaste to pre-orders, then be the person who doesn't pre-order. If you don't trust developers and think they're all scummy, then hey, don't buy games on day one. See how they turn out. Maybe you'll be the wait for $20 crowd or something of that nature. But it's we can't keep going through this cycle where people are just repeating all the same old cliches, the same old warnings, because at some point we're going to have to learn from this. At the same token, these developers are going to have to learn that you can't do shit like this. So there are mutual lessons to be observed on all sides. Personally, I am both satisfied and dissatisfied (laughs) with with Cyberpunk. I mean, I'm going to be taking some time off from the game until more patches come around because I personally, I feel like the game just deserves a better chance to be properly appreciated. 
uh, AMC. I'll let you know when it's in good enough shape for you to one day get into it. If you still have any interest there down the road, uh, man, it's, it's been one hell of a week. Yes. Um, and it's been already an hour. So let's bang out these next topics of the week. Topics of, of the week. week. Um, here, let me bang out NPD real quick. So we got November NPD D D. Um, let's write it down. Number one on the list: Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. Number two. So these are all new games, by the way. Number two: Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Number three: Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales. That makes the top three of the list. Number four, Madden NFL 21. Number five, NBA 2K21. Number six, new game, Hyrule Warriors, Age of Calamity. Um, let's see, seven, Watch Dogs Legion. Eight, Animal Crossing, FIFA 21. At 10, we got another new game on next-gen hardware, Demon Souls. Uh, 11, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. 12, Super Mario 3D All-Stars. Another new game. At number 13, Just Dance 2021. Just uh, Dance. <laughs> new Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe, Luigi's Mansion 3. At 16, Mario Kart Live Home Circuit, Smash Brothers Ultimate, Marvel's Avengers at 18, Mortal Kombat 11, and closing off the list at number 20, Ghost of Tsushima. A couple notes mm. for Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War represents 2020's biggest launch. The title ranks first on both PlayStation and Xbox platforms for the month of November, as well as year to date. This is the 13th consecutive year a Call of Duty game has ranked as the best-selling game in its release month. Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Assassin's Creed Valhalla achieved the highest launch month sales for an Assassin's Creed franchise title since the release of Assassin's Creed 3 on, in 2012. And then Miles Morales, Mar- Marvel Spider-Man, Miles Morales, launch month sales of Marvel Spider-Man, Miles Morales, are the second highest amongst superhero games on PlayStation platforms in U.S. history, trailing only September 2018 sales of Marvel's Spider-Man. A little Just Dance news, Just Dance 2021. Launch month sales uh, were second highest in franchise history. Only Just Dance 3 launched in October 2011. Experience a larger launch. Here are the top games of the year so far. And this is in a debut month, by the way. Already and now the best-selling game of the year. Number one, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. Um. So yeah, so that means it's already outsold The Last of Us, Ghost of Tsushima, all those games, Animal Crossing. Number two, because you love Call of Duty, Call of Duty Modern Warfare. <laughs> so Call of Duty holds down the top two slots in the best-selling games of the year so far. Number three, Animal Crossing New Horizons. Number four, Madden NFL 21. Number five, Last of Us Part Two. Number six, Ghost of Tsushima. Seven, Assassin's Creed Valhalla in its debut month at the number seven spot. Eight, Final Fantasy VII Remake. Nine, Marvel Avengers holding on. And 10, Super Mario 3D All-Stars. We'll do top five on each individual console, starting with the Nintendo. Their top five. Number one, Hyrule Warriors, Age of Calamity. People love that. Dynasty Warriors. Uh, Two, Animal Crossing New Horizon. Three, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Super Mario 3D All-Stars. And number five, New Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe. On PlayStation, their top five selling games of the month. Number one, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. Number two, 
Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales. Number three, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Madden NFL 21. And number five, Demon Souls. All new games other than Madden. Uh, November 2020, uh, top five selling games on Xbox. Let's see. Number one, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. Two, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Three, Madden NFL 21, Watch Dogs Legions, and NBA 2K21. It's interesting. They didn't break down individual consoles. They just said PlayStation games and Xbox games. So I guess they're lumping in old gen and current gen um, as far as uh, software sales, hardware sales. So this is going to be the interesting one because now we have the new consoles on the market. Uh, so hardware NPD. Consumers spent a November record of $1.4 billion on new video game hardware and increased 58% when compared to a year ago, according to Matt Piscatella. Growth was driven by the launches of PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X consoles. Year-to-date hardware spending reached $4 billion, 34% higher than a year ago. So it's nice that we're still seeing growth in a year where uh, two consoles were basically coming to the end of their console life cycle. We were still seeing an increase in uh, growth as far as hardware spending, and that could likely be uh, equated to, or you could say that the, the pandemic had an impact on that, seeing that console spending going up just because people were at home and needed something to do. But continuing, PlayStation 5. So there was a split in as far as the best-selling console for the month of November. PlayStation 5 was November's best-selling hardware platform in consumer spending, while Nintendo Switch led the market in units sold. Nintendo Switch has been the best-selling hardware platform units sold for a record 24 consecutive months. So if you were to break that down, PlayStation 5, it's a $500 console. Nintendo Switch, $300 with the Switch Lite being less than that. So there were more Switches actually bought, but PlayStation 5 brought in more money because they um, their console is worth more. And I'd imagine... Cost more. Yeah, because they more. scalp for more. <laughs> and that would, that would be the other thing I would uh, add is it'd be interesting to see if Sony didn't have a shortage of consoles. Maybe I would, I'd imagine they would possibly would outsell the switch but um yeah as of right now the switch is still selling more units but playstation bringing in that money uh and here's a couple here's another note playstation 5 achieved the highest launch month unit in dollar sales for a new video game hardware platform in u.s history the records were previously held by the playstation 4 which debuted in november 2013 so playstation 5 already setting records as far as um, console launches. And I imagine this is only going to go up as more consoles hit the streets. Um, so yeah, let's move into the next topic of the week. Top topic, topic of, of the week. week. A-Dub, you got it from here on now. What you got? I got just, just a couple quick hits on Cyberpunk again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's just so much news. So uh, told you about the save file issue. But at the same token, it seems like shareholders are also trying to sue the company for their lost value. Because while we as consumers didn't have a chance to see the console version or be known of potential issues before it came out, it's suspected that shareholders also weren't privy to that information. So that could be seen as a lack of full disclosure on CD Projekt Red's part. And it was definitely grounds for some legal action. We'll keep you updated. I got another topic of the week. Top topic, topic of, of the week. week. 
we missed you guys for a couple of weeks. So a lot of things happened. Uh, the game awards went down, but I think we don't have enough time to go over the winners there. So we'll save that for a later date. However, a lot of games were announced, including a pretty special one that has people excited. So if you absolutely hated Mass Effect Andromeda and then turn around and got excited for the Mass Effect Legendary Edition being announced, even though the last 10 minutes of the third game are going to make you wish you didn't play the second game and the first game, <laughs> just rest assured that new Mass Effect is on the way. And according to some tweets from some personnel over at BioWare, Michael Gamble letting you know that some veteran developers from the Mass Effect series will be returning to help bring this new Mass Effect project to life. Some could see that as them, you know, getting their stuff together, getting back the people who helped make that initial magic that brought us all into this space opera as one uniform community of people. You could also see it as those departed developers finally having the leverage to get EA to bend the knee and get them back to make that magic all over again. Either way, gamers win. AMC, how do you feel about it? Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good thing, especially on last time we recorded, um, they had mentioned Casey Hudson and, and another head of uh, Bioware had uh, finally left the company. So it was kind of somewhat of a shakeup. Um, but then you see this announcement that they're bringing some veteran developers back and, you know, maybe it's shakeups like this that um, might be something that is needed to revitalize um, Bioware after, you know, Mass Effect Andromeda and the launch of Anthem, maybe removing some of the heads, but then bringing back the people who contributed positively towards what worked in the Mass Effect series is a good way to shake things up for that developer. And then something that should be noted is when people generally work for a company, they work on their employment contract for a particular rate when they leave the company and end up being brought back. Sometimes they can negotiate their own rate. So you might be getting these people better compensated, you know, less crunched. <laughs> Maybe they'll be happier, put more of themselves and all the talent and experience they've amassed back into this project. So there's some hope there. You know, we, we saw some, a teaser CG trailer. We haven't seen any gameplay yet. We still have that to look forward to. I know uh, Dragon Age 4 was also announced. So that also got a CG trailer, which looks pretty good, even though it's just a movie. <laughs> uh, we have we had the developers of Dead Space. They're now based in the Bay Area on the West Coast, and they announced their new project, the Calypso Project. Looks like you're going to be breaking out of a prison on a moon of Jupiter with some pretty wild creatures on your heels. Personally, I'm very excited about that. I know AMC is not a horror guy, so I'll be I'll be telling them all about it around the campfire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, a lot of stuff went down. We'll have to cover it another time. AMC, you got anything else for the people at home? Uh no, nah, I think we we hit everything. It was a big cyberpunk day, as we suspected. <laughs> so yeah, I think we uh we did exactly what needed to be we covered what needed to be done. Uh, we'll we'll pick it back up next week now that you know we got all that shit storm out of the way and hopefully maybe things will yes. be 
and uh, heading in the right direction by the time we return. <laughs> well, after that last hot fix, they definitely weren't. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I was lucky I was able to get out of the setting screen. So that should give you an indication of what kind of problems we're still dealing with. Yeah. With I mean, you said at one point you couldn't build a Mako or whatever in No Man's Sky, and now you're driving it. So maybe, maybe, oh, yeah, get, that. get it fixed. <laughs> whatever it takes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, all right. So any final words, A Dub, before we get out of here? We've all been through a lot. <laughs> and 2020 just keeps on taking. Unfortunately, it took Cyberpunk away from us. Uh, we might be able to get that back in 2021. You know, things are starting to look up. We're starting to see some light at the end of the tunnel. So keep your head up, stay responsible, stay safe, stay healthy. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. This is Control Issues. I am the AMC. And this is. Okay.